For over 10 years, VOC Nation has taken listeners behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Our hosts are not only experts on the business, but have lived in the business. Subscribe and hear weekly podcasts from hosts like legendary pro wrestling journalist Bill Apter, former Impact Wrestling star Wes Briscoe, former WWE and AWA broadcaster Ken Resnick, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, former WCW star The Maestro, NWA legend The Raging Bull Manny Fernandez, and much more. VOC Nation programming is free on most major podcasting apps, including iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Radio.com. And video podcast and bonus content is available on Patreon for as low as $3 a month. What are you waiting for? Head to VOCNation.com and dig into the most comprehensive podcast network built for pro wrestling fans. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at VOC Nation Wrestling Network and follow us on Twitter at VOC Nation. And welcome to Wrestling with Problems. I'm your host, King David Lane. That's King David Lane on just about every social media platform. So give him a like, follow, and request, and I will probably give you in return. Also, like King David Comedy, that's coming with the K on most major social media platforms as well. I am joined by my co host this week, The Brock. Brock Business at B R O C K B Z A on Twitter. Brian, how's it going? How's it going, King? How's it going, Wrestling Nation? Well, even better for me. Like I said, finally we finally got rugby back. So I got to play rugby this past weekend. Played about a 60 minutes at 80 minute game. Thrilling game. Uh if you have not uh, already do it, please like Northwest Indiana Rugby Club on Facebook. That is my team. I started at the number five position, which is a lock position. So I had a good time. We ended up a uh, very, very interesting game. We ended up getting out to like a 17 to five lead, I believe. Then I came out of the game because we just rolling subs. Traditionally, we don't have rolling subs. Rugby, rugby you usually play Ironman for 80 minutes. You're allowed seven total substitutes out of 15 guys. But summer, during these spring games, sort of exhibitions and friendlies, we're allowed to have rolling subs. So I came out, right? Winning 17 to 5. I go to the bathroom. I come back in the bathroom. We score another try. So then we're up 24 to 5. I'm like, oh, this is great. We're kicking ass today. Next thing I know, they say, okay, you ready to go back in? I'm like, sure. I go back in. They tell me, we're down by two. I'm like, what? <laughs> Where were we just leading by 19 points? How are we down by two? <laughs> I thought they were kidding because sometimes they'll tell you, they'll tell you you're down when you're up. Just get everybody motivated, play hard. Nope, we right. were down by two. So anyway, in the last four minutes of the game, we get a penalty kick, which is the equivalent uh, three points. It's very similar to a field goal. Get that, and then we score a try in the last minute. So we end up winning by eight. <laughs> so we did We did finally pull it off, but it was a very, very exciting uh, win. So uh, I will be playing in Indianapolis uh, this coming uh, Saturday. So I'm actually going to go down and see my sister and my nephews. So we're going to be playing – the West Side Outcast down in Indianapolis. So if you're in the Indianapolis, Indianapolis area, feel free to come check us out. Again, that'll be the Northwest Indiana Reapers rugby team playing the West Side Outcast rugby team. It'll be 1 o'clock at Thatcher Park in Indianapolis area if you're down there. So anyway, now that I got enough shameless self-promotion out of the way for my rugby team, and uh, we'll get into some actual wrestling talk because this is a big week in the world of wrestling. Uh, our good... Uh, our good brothers were in a match. We had uh, basically the civil war between AEW and Impact came to a head. 
I guess it's not technically a unification belt, but you know, one guy basically would end up having like what four belts. So you had uh, Kenny Omega versus Rich Juan, and we overall, I I did have a chance to actually watch the entire card because it's really hard for me Trump sometimes to watch something that comes on a Sunday night if it's a three hour or longer show. But I did actually manage to actually squeeze it in. Uh, I enjoyed the show. I did not watch the kickoff show. The kickoff show was Rosemary and Havoc versus Kimberly and Susan. Uh, so I did not see that one, so we won't be talking about it. But I did watch the rest of the card. Uh, started off with Josh Alexander versus Ace Austin Madman, uh, with Madman putting in the side. Uh, it's TJP. X Division Championship match. Uh, overall, I say this was a very, very solid match. You expect all these guys to put on a good match. These are talented guys. So uh, Josh Alexander pulled off the win. A uh, little bit of a surprise, but not completely, because a lot of times when you have a tag team and the team gets split up and one guy goes to another company, he's getting pushed there. A lot of times what they'll do is they'll push the guy to stay to reward him for staying. So not a complete surprise, but a little bit of surprise. So, you know, he's a talented guy, so it's not like it's not like I feel insulted by this, him getting the shot. So what are your thoughts on this X Division Championship match? Uh, actually, um... Um, okay, um, I had no problem with Josh Alexander um, winning the title, but I'm okay. I'm always been a strong um, advocate for X Division being more of their version of the cruiserweight title. And it was like the only time I thought it did um, well as a heavyweight um, holding the title was actually when Samoa Joe had. Outside of that, I I I I didn't I didn't see any point of any heavyweight holding that title. Um, yeah, just my that, I knew you were gonna I knew you were gonna say some more, Joe. Yeah, sorry to interrupt, but go ahead. But um, for for me and everything, um, I I'm saying they're trying to get Josh Alexander over, but he's gonna be similar. Uh, to I I I hate, um, I hate to I hate to say this guy, but I'm gonna have to say him. He he's gonna be um similar to a Sheldon Benjamin, um a, um a tag team um a great tag team wrestler, but um uh, okay probably a solid um singles wrestler. But the question is, lacking the personality and the mic skills to get him um over. Just remember this. How long did it take um, Bobby Roode to get to the it factor? Because, man, you, this man was part of a great, great, not one, but two tag teams. One, uh, multiple tag team titles. Um, I forget how many total he won, though, but he was a multiple tag team champion. So it's um, going to be interesting to see what they um, do with Josh Alexander for him. Let's, let's say you raised a real good point with the reference to Shelton Benjamin. Uh, it appears you are frozen, so uh, uh, if you don't come back, I'm going to if you don't come back, I'm going to go ahead and uh, recommend if you can hear me to oh, there you are. I was going to say uh, you froze there for a bit. Uh, I okay. like the reference to Shelton Benjamin. That is a good take. Amateur background, mm-hmm. solid tag team wrestler, uh, and it's also it's always good when you get to compare somebody to somebody with a different ethnicity because we always get whenever there's a Latin wrestler, Eddie Guerrero, 
No. <laughs> There's not a lot of Eddie Guerrero's out there. Really no, not. stop, stop. Stay. The oh, only yeah, guy it, it, I've it. ever compared to Eddie Guerrero other than, you know, family members, Hector kind of looks like him. So I've compared him for that reason. But that even predates, I think, me broadcasting. So, uh, yes. Uh, I think Angel, I think it's an, is it Angel Garcia guy that NXT, former NXT guy for, uh, yeah, yeah, I'll okay. The guy, that takes his, Angel, the guy that takes his pants off all the time. I think yeah, that's yeah. like the one guy I've ever compared to Eddie Guerrero. There was a Latin guy, there's a Italian guy that has a sort of charisma. But even I thought about, like I said, I had to, I was like, should I do it? Because, like, I, I hate that comparison, but I, but I liked it in his case. He's the closest I've seen to somebody with that sort of charisma, swarmy ladies' man, but probably. Not as much of a ladies' man as that he think he is, but I found even better comp than Eddie Guerrero for for for, uh, for him though. You know who it is? Ravish and Rick Rude. That's the even better comp for me. And apparently you have frozen again. So if you, obviously this is only matters if you're watching Zoom, but uh, he's frozen again. So, okay, there you are. Uh, right now you might unmute, so uh, unmute your mic. Uh, but yeah, that that was my. Uh, that's that, that's my even better comp. So my even better comp for Angel Garza is uh Hello. Is uh yeah, I can hear you now. My better comp is actually Ravishing Rick Rude. Not not ECW Ravishing Rick Rude, but sort of the uh the WWF version the first time around. So uh actually looking back on Ravishing Rick Rude because uh until the network jumped, uh WWE network jumped until Peacock, I was in the early 98 stage of ECW, because I've been going through it, watching all the hardcore television. I forgot how much uh, Ravishing Rick Rude's uh, character evolved over the years. Because I remember the original Ravishing Rick Rude when he was in world-class championship wrestling. And back then, he was just came out to the ring with uh, the smooth operator. He didn't really do all the histronics that he would later do with WWF at the time, even though he was sort of a ladies' man, but he wasn't really doing all that you know, wild stuff. When he went to WWF, I realized that's when he came out and he'd be kissing the ladies and he'd come out with the different types of the different people's girlfriends and wives and stuff on it and all that kind of crazy stuff. So that was like one evolution of the character. And then later in ECW, he went like hardcore, like Val Venus sort of level of like ladies' man. So his character he had a nice evolution over the years. I had not realized how many different sort of versions of the Rick Root character it was. But, uh, Anyway, that, that's a little bit of a side note. It's it's fun since we're since we're longtime wrestling fans to you know talk about yes. some of the other stuff too. I like to I remember to include this in the notes. I wasn't planning on talking about rubbish and Rue, but it just came up naturally. So I'll include that in the notes. But anyway, back, back to the rebellion pay per view. Right. Uh, uh, next, we had Violent by Design, uh, Deaner, Joe Doring, and Rhino with W. Morrissey, along with Eric Young. So Eric Young had to back out due to injury. Versus Chris Saban, Eddie Edwards, James Jones, and Willie Mack. Of course, if you're not familiar with who W. Morrissey is, he was the artist slash wrestler formerly known as uh, Big Cass or Cass SL, depending on where you follow him from, but mostly known as Big Cass. Uh, obviously, he did uh, make an appearance. I believe it was I believe it was uh, Luke Gallo's promotion that he made an appearance a couple weeks ago, and he just looked shredded and ripped. And yep, he still looks ripped. Like I said, he never looked like this when he was in WWE. And very rarely do you see a guy that's approaching seven feet with abs. 
that, that that's just the thing that doesn't traditionally happen. But he looks shredded. He was looking in great shape. You could tell that you know he's been taking great care of his body. Uh, he's been public with his battle with uh, alcoholism as well as mental health issues. So it appears that he's at least physically looks good. Normally, if you're in that situation where you have those sort of issues, when you start to look good physically, there's a good chance you are taking care of yourself mentally and so the whole package is coming together. So I can't, obviously, I, I don't want to speak for him or, you know, draw direct conclusions, but these things look good in his After favor. Being captured, like that he's offered the opportunity. So, uh, uh, overall, like I said, this this match mainly was, I think, largely to a degree. They put uh, Morrissey in the stable, Violent by Design. He's now listed as a member of the stable. So, uh, basically, I think this was largely set up without Eric Young being able to be involved. It was set up to make him look good and sort of sell him as a monster within Impact. And I think he's going to have a nice run here, provided, obviously, you know, he can keep his... Uh, uh, mental health and his focus and everything well together. So they did a good job of selling that. Uh, what are your thoughts on the on him or the match overall? Um, I, I will actually have to say um, um, having him in impact did good. The, the angle was great. Everyone um, who uh, was in the match did what they were supposed to do. I was actually surprised about Rhino, he he still okay. Actually, he, he still got it. Now, granted, he's not the ECW Rhino. He's not even the WWE Rhino, but he's still um a um okay a, a pretty good um um vet other group and everything. So, as far as the whole match went, I had no problems with. It. I was gonna say it's like uh. It's kind of weird. Like there's there's very few guys left from the original ECW that can that still can you know work and wrestle because because it's, it's it's hard to believe. But that's 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 20 years ago that ECW closed its doors. Original doors. We're not counting ECW WWE. <laughs> Nobody should count that. No, because because no. uh, it was it was it had a little bit of the flavor early on in this run, but even then it was it was still sort of watered down. But it got worse and worse, and I mean, it was it was a solid wrestling product overall. But to call it ECW associated with ECW, it was slightly associated at the beginning, and it kind of went way. It felt like fairly quickly, even though I still enjoyed watching it. It's another brand of W of WWE to watch. It just it wasn't ECW. It didn't deserve to have the name. So, no, I just uh, realized since I, I, I looked him up, his well, middle name is Guido. So. So technically, at one point, ECW had a little Guido and a big Guido, and I mean oh, that hell no. people's names because you know that term right, is right, right. depending on, depending on the use of that term, it can mean different things. I'm talking about literally names in case you weren't a fan of ECW. His actual name was that, and then Little Guido's wrestling name was that. Uh, although, in, if you're only familiar with the football of Italians in WWE, he went he went by news. Anyway, sorry, uh, what were you saying? I didn't I didn't mean to cut you off. Now, um, as, okay, as far as um, everything else and everything, since, since we went with, with ECW, it was only uh, four good things that came out of the WWE's version of um, WCW. 
one, they actually um, had um, oh, okay talent who wasn't really getting uh, much um, airtime, some some airtime. So okay, let okay, so let's um look at a few of those. So okay, Bobby Lashley, Lashley, um, as we all know, um, his first run in in the WWE was not getting much airplay. Now they gave okay, they gave him the title. He won it from the big show. Okay. You had some um pretty good um people to um to have that title. So now also I gotta say when um CM Punk was there, okay, CM Punk w- was credible. And then w- when they decided to use it for talent development, okay. It's kind of like what um, NXT was in the beginning, if that make any sense. Yeah, develop, it was developmental. Yeah. Uh, okay. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I'm um, I, um, just about to say that's pretty much about it as far as I go with that. I'd say, what happened to that Bobby Lashley guy? Did, did he ever do anything after that? Uh, I think he did uh, a little something. Oh, yeah. In case anybody's not really paying attention, I am kidding. Obviously, he's uh, he went on to win the uh, the big title after he won the ECW title. He won the, uh, I believe it was a TNA title at the time as well. Uh, I believe that was pre-impact. Uh, he also has won yeah. the... Uh, he also has won the was did he win the Universal or the WWE? I can't I have a hard time remembering which one he won. He won it was Universal. Uh, no, no, no. WWE um E title. Okay. I have a hard time remembering no. which one which one of those is which. Oh <laughs> uh, Roman Reigns him. got the Universal title. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, he did win the WWE title. He was, uh, so yeah. Uh, get, that, t- that tells you how important the titles are in WWE right now or, or how, or how that it's hard to remember who has which belt. It was it was better when it was the WWE title in the in the World Heavyweight title just because the belts looked different enough. It was like you know it's stuck in your head much easier who was holding which belt. You know the belts look way too similar now. But anyway, well, back to the year. For, shoot, Go ahead. yeah, I, I'm out. I'm out. I was about to say we're gonna get really sidetracked if, if we continue on this lane. Next, we had a Brian Myers. Brian Myers defeated Matt Cardona. That's also, if you watch WWE, that was the former Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder. Uh, basically, this was rough because Matt Cardona had a serious knee injury in this match. Uh, the first time I saw it, I, I wasn't quite sure what was going on, so I rewound it because I thought because I thought I couldn't tell if they were doing an angle or what. So I rewound it and. The way he landed, looking at it the second time, you realize that's not nobody's that good at acting. When you sort of roll it or knee like that, that only happens when you do it by accident. Nobody can fake that. I mean, I'm not saying it's, I'm, I've seen worse looking knee injuries. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying the way that it rolled and you went sort of went to the side, you would not fake it that way. It, it, you, like I said, it, it looks different. Like if you ever watched, like when they do a fake knee injury angle, they don't do it to that degree. Not like again, I'm not. It's a terrible injury that he went through. But when they fake an injury, it looks a certain way. 
the way it looked, nobody's that good an actor. And you wouldn't attempt to act that well with your with your knee that way. So uh, we wish him a speedy recovery. I hope it's not the worst of worst injuries, but you could definitely tell someone's wrong. They temporarily stopped the match for you know a second just to check on him. And I believe they sort of had to do a thing where they sort of go, okay, we got to bring it home. So they sort of had a little bit of a rush ending to the end of the match. Uh, this match, prior to that, it was a solid match. I wouldn't call it a great match, but it was definitely solid. They did a good job of continuing their sort of storyline and their feud. And I actually, I think, accidentally, depending on when Matt Cardona is able to come back, this actually sort of helps in a way as far as selling Brian Myers as a heel if they can at least, you know, get back to it within a few months if it's not a very, very serious, which I hope that it's not. It didn't look good, and with a knee injury, when you sort of roll your knee, it's kind of a crapshoot. Best case scenario is an MCL injury. Worst case is an ACL injury. Screw it. Because ACL, you're going to be out close to a year. Best MCL, you might be able to get back after a couple months. But uh, get any thoughts mm-hmm. on that, or you want to move on to the next match? I think we can move on to the next. Uh, next, we had a tag team match, Jordan Grace with her surprise partner along with Gas versus Kira Hogan and Tasha Steele, also known as Fire and Flavor. Turns out the uh, special surprise guest partner was Rachel Ellering, obviously Paul Ellering's daughter. Uh, she had a run in NXT for a while. Uh, I, didn't, I did not realize that she was a sort of a free agent because WWE has done so many releases over the last couple of years, it's hard to keep track of who's where, who's doing what. But it was, you know, it was nice to see her back in the ring. They actually ended up pulling up an exit. So in her debut match, she won the Impact Knockout Tag Team Championship. So congratulations to her. Uh, there, there was a decent amount of title changes on this card. So very, very, uh, a lot of turnover, a lot of different stuff happened. Uh, overall, this was a, this was a very uh, good match. You know, I don't think you usually get a lot of power versus speed matches within the women's tag team division, uh, whether it be Impact or WWE. Uh, but this was a this was a solid version of that sort of telling that story where the speed team tries to do a lot of double teams on the larger team. The larger team does a lot of power moves. So, uh, and and I would say this: both of the uh, the power women in the in, in the team, both Grace and Ellering. They're both solid workers, so it's not a situation like Nia Jax where you felt like at any given moment somebody might die on the other team because, you know, Nia Jax has that reputation for good reason. She hurts people and she's kind of sloppy at times. As opposed to Jordan Grace, I've never I've never heard of her injury. I'm not saying she's doing it, but I don't recall her injury. Somebody. So everything with these two tends to look smooth and professional, and that helps make the match look better as well. So, uh, Overall, it was a very, very good tag match. I enjoyed it. Uh, your thoughts? Um, actually, I was I was surprised who they got for that match. Um, I did. I I will be honest. I didn't see that coming. Um, honestly, I was hoping that they got um, um, Lacey Von Erich, but that was one of those things like, hey, um, you haven't seen her in a while. Why not? Oh, that, 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 that does remind me, too, by the way. Uh, we'll get into that later. There was, there was another surprise female appearance 
uh, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Show I don't know if Lacey Von Eric wrestles anymore. Though. I think she's retired, so it probably wouldn't made sense. Because even if she came back for quote one appearance, I doubt she's going to come back randomly. That's probably why uh, it wouldn't have made sense for them to to use her in that role. Because obviously, if, with the uh, Ellering winning the match, they're going to actually going to be having more matches. It's not like it was a one off. It be different if you lose the match. If you win the match, you're going to have to be defending the belt. Uh, next, we got Trey Miguel defeated Sammy Callahan in a last man standing match. Uh, this is very, very interesting, sort of a hardcore match. Uh, obviously, Sammy Callahan doing all sorts of heel stuff and dancing stuff, and pipe wrenches and stuff, and he tried to use the, the steel steps to sort of hold Trey Miguel down. He was ineffective in doing that, so he was able to climb from underneath the ring in a different angle, ended up attacking him later on. And eventually, he ended up putting him, uh, he used a, a version of the diamond cutter, putting him through a table. Although, I thought the diamond cutter through the table, even though the table did break, that wasn't that, wasn't that good of a move as far as the move should be, that should be finishing the match. I'm a big fan of Trey Miguel, and I'm a big fan of Sammy Callahan, but the, the ending seemed a little bit weak, especially for what they had been going through. I think he just, he just didn't sort of nail it all the way completely. Uh, if, if he had nailed it better, I like sort of the way they ended the match. They ended the match with Sammy Callahan trying to get up, but sort of slipping down and falling back. So it, it sells that even though Trey Miguel won, he just sort of barely won, which I think is perfect for a guy like Trey Miguel, who's like an athletic, quick guy versus a brawler. It makes sense if you're gonna if you're gonna have him win, have him just sort of barely win it. But uh, I felt like the diamond cutter through the table wasn't hit as cleanly or as hard that it needed to be to sort of make the rest of the ending weight work. It was, it's not as bad a botch as the end of the uh, the uh, Kenny Omega match with Eddie Kingston, you know, with the floating barricade and John Moxley, or, you know, that sort of, it wasn't quite, wasn't nearly that bad. It's just, it was just something, if you were paying really close attention that you'd notice. I doubt if you, if you weren't paying that close attention, you probably didn't even notice. But I just thought it was a little bit of a weak cutter through the table. That's a minor criticism of this match overall. It was a good match. Got anything? You got anything to add to that? Uh not really. Um, the um, the the match. Okay, the match was um a, a solid match. Um, I just would not have expected that type of match from um those two, but. Hey, sometimes you, you gotta change it up. I um I, I don't agree how to use Callahan's character now though, but that's a, a, a whole nother subject right there. Uh oh by the way, I am wearing my wrestling with problem shirt. So if you're watching the if you're watching the video, uh, check it out. You can get your shirt on crossingtees.com. Feel free to get yours. Uh crossing tees wrestling with problem shirt. Google it. Or you know, enter in, uh, go to go to VOC Nation store and check it out and get it there. But anyway, definitely get your shirt. It helps support the show, and we appreciate that. By the way, uh, please hit like and subscribe if you're like uh, on your favorite platform. Leave us leave us a five star review, uh, five star rating rather, and leave us a review. Hey, even if you hate us, leave a review. We like any kind of thing here. So if you love the show, write us a review. If you hate the show, write us a review. Anyway, back to uh, talking rebellion. Uh, the next match we got, we got uh, Finju, the champions defeated the Good Brothers, Scott Gallo and uh, Carl Anderson. 
retaining the Impact World Tag Team Championships and taking them back to Japan. Uh, my main takeaway from this match is David Finley and Juice Robinson terrible wrestling attire I've ever seen. It looked like some sort of bad 70s checkerboard stuff. It looked like a set from a bad game show. That's really all I have to say about this match. Like I said, the match wasn't terrible, but that was just such a bad distraction. Not, not only the fact was the outfit terrible, but they were like capri pants as well. So not only do you have ugly ring attire, you join them in capri pants. This is bad altogether. <laughs> Your thoughts, Brian? I I will have to say that you nailed it. I was say, Brian, are you working in somebody's kitchen? Uh, I I I can't I can't even add. Uh, no, I think I left the water on hold. Sorry about that. Okay, now. Anyway, while you walk through your house, I just have to cut the video off. I can cut. I can, I'll cut the video back on when you come back. Just let me know when you're back. <laughs> okay, I'm back. Okay, you can restart. You can uh, you can restart your video then. Like I said, because basically for a brief period of time, if you watch, if you're watching uh, the video feed, you are getting to look at Brian's butt. Nobody wants to see that. <laughs> anyway, uh, next we had Diana Perrazzo with Kimberly and Susan. Uh, against Neil Jaswood with Caleb with a K. Diana uh, Brazo pulled off victory. Of course, uh, this is like the other surprise female appearance. Taylor Wilde came back and just beat the crap out of Kimberly and Susan and Diana Perrazzo just looked, looked on stop. So it was good to see Taylor Wilde back. I put her, you know, forgot about her yes. to a degree. But she looked very, very athletic in her return, so it looks like she's been staying in the proper shape and you know, continued to work in the craft and whatnot, so it's good to see her back. Uh, honestly, I wasn't a huge fan of this match. It wasn't terrible, but there was just nothing. It felt like there was nothing in the match that I really cared about all of my stuff. Nothing bad. It wasn't. Yeah, because sometimes you just see a match and it's just blown spots and it's just bad, but it, this wasn't that. It just it was just it just felt like there was nothing for me in this match. It was just okay, not terrible, just okay. Actually, it, it actually my attention started to wander a little bit during it too. Not not because it was bad. It was just it was just it felt mediocre. And you, especially when you have like a title match this late in the card, and you're sort of looking forward to world title match. I think they would have done better with this match, maybe putting in a different spot in the car, too. That might have helped as well, too. But they were sort of backloaded, very, very heavy with title matches. Uh, out of the last one, two, three, four, five, out of the last five matches, four were title matches. And one of in the match that wasn't a title match was a last man standing match. So kind of gimmicky the way they spread that out. If you're going to have this many matches, you might want to break them up little bit more and do it a little bit differently rather than stack so many title matches together on top of it with the gimmick match as well. So, but that's again minor criticism. Uh, last but not least we had Kenny Omega AEW champion with Don Callis, Doc Gallows, and Carl Anderson versus Rich Swan, the Impact champion as well as obviously the, what, the Impact Unified champion because he unified the Impact and TNA belts uh, with Eddie Edwards and Willie Mack. 
Kenny Omega was able to pull off the victory. They did a lot of uh, interesting sort of angle stuff telling the story within the match. Obviously, they had the spot where you had Brian Heppner uh, end up uh, taking a hit because uh, Kenny Anderson, Kenny uh, Omega, Kenny Anderson, not not Mr. Anderson, nor the quarterback, NFL quarterback, Eddie. Kenny Omega did the spot where he sort of you know, put the referee in the way. It was Brian Hefner. The fact that you had a Hefner uh, referee in this match, I don't know if that was an allude to the potential of Montreal Screwdrop, just putting Hefner in the match. I don't know if that was intentional or not, but that definitely sort of in my head played a factor. But also you had the thing where Arby Afros was also, quote, the second referee. So you had the thing where Tony Khan brought in his ref and they said, no, nah, we're going we're gonna to use both reps. And then she was the ref outside the ring. And next thing you know, you got to – they did a, they actually did a good job of telling that story within the match too as well because uh, Matt Stryker was like, hey, uh, this is our title. And yet their referee could determine who wins our title. So Kenny Omega did a thing where he was going to do a chair shot to Rich Swan, But actually, Aubrey Edwards actually played it straight, prevented her from using the chair, you know, maintaining her integrity. So that worked well. Uh, Rich Swan got hit with hella V triggers. <laughs> How many V triggers did he get? Was it like, I think it was it was it like six or seven? I think eventually they get. I, I, I lost count after five. So yeah, I think it was like six or seven V triggers he got hit with in the match, and finally got hit with one wing angel. And eventually he did pull off the victory. So now uh, Kenny Omega has all, all sorts of gold from all around the world. He has it from Mexico, U.S. Uh, I guess technically Canada too, because technically Impact is a Canadian company, really, if you think about it. So technically, he has he has gold from Canada, gold from the United States, uh, gold from Mexico. So he has he is the true inter- intercontinental champion, if you think about it. <laughs> he has North America on lock. He 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 he's what you would call a um, bona fide world champion. He's a champion of champions. <laughs> so anyway, overall, uh, I have to give this card from top to bottom a B. Like I said, there was there was yes. nothing that was completely bad on the card. There was you know some matches that were solid. There were some matches that were good. Uh, I was kind of expecting a little bit more out of Omega and the Swan. Uh, I think Swan was the guy that kind of let me down in this match more so than Omega though. Swan. I'm not saying Swan was terrible by any stretch. It's just I expected more of him in this being a world title match. Kenny Omega, you know, I had certain expectations for him. I expected Rich Swan to sort of rise to Kenny Omega's level, and that just it don't it doesn't feel like it that happened to me. So I felt like overall I get this card a B. Uh, what grade would you give? I would actually give it. Um... I, honestly, it's um, a B minus. I want to give it um, a C, but like you said, there was nothing in the match that um, screamed me. Um, uh, um, okay, let me phrase that. Okay. The card was not mediocre. You had um, a. Uh, um, with two matches, but overall the card was a good card. The pay-per-view was a good pay-per-view, not great, 
but it was good. So for that reason, it almost uh, okay. It just escaped the um, the sea, but it still does deserve um, a B, despite to um, questionable, um, mediocre type um, moments in, in uh, a few of the matches. Yep. Again, like I said, no, nothing was bad on it. it was just. It's just, you know, there was some stuff that was just sort of okay, and I wanted it to be more than okay, particularly within uh, title matches. So. Anyway, we've talked enough uh, Impact Wrestling for this week. We got a lot of other stuff going on in the world of wrestling, so we'll get to some of these other stories. We actually got a couple of Major League Wrestling stories coming up we'll discuss, as well as we got some things going on in uh, Legends and some other stuff, that, and some stuff that I just accidentally uh, came across, so. Let's get into some of these some of these other things. Uh, oh yeah, and by the way, uh, Matt Cardona suffered a dislocated knee. That's what they're listening to injury. Just in case you're wondering, dislocated knee is what we have, but the knee is, has been put back into place at least that far. So hopefully, he'll be all right. Anyway, uh, we did mention Eddie Guerrero early in the show, uh, and Eddie Guerrero is a guy. Every now and again, I'll look up look up look him up for some reason. You know, just I'll just be thinking about Eddie. I'll like, let me look up Eddie Guerrero. I look it up. So I was looking him up. And, of course, you know, if you look somebody up, a lot of times the first thing that comes up is their Wikipedia page. So if you didn't mm-hmm. – I don't just mean their full Wikipedia page. I mean a little sort of Wikipedia thing in the corner on the top right if you Google somebody. And I happen to notice they had his children listed. Now, the first thing I noticed they had Eduardo Gory Guerrero because I always forget, always forget that uh, his name was, was Gory as well, that name after, partially after his father, so I always forget about that sometimes too. So that was the first thing I noticed. Second thing I noticed that I noticed was his children were listed. And when I see his children listed, there's Shaw Guerrero, there's Kelly Maria Guerrero, there's Sherilyn Amber Guerrero. And who's the fourth child? Apparently he had a son by the name of Dominic Mysterio. Now, most of the time, most of the time, Wikipedia is correct. I know we used to joke about Wikipedia. You couldn't use Wikipedia as a source and argument because, you know, anybody, literally anybody could correct it. Uh, now, for the most part, there is good oversight on it. Most of the time, even if there's bad information on there, it will be corrected fairly quickly if somebody just wants to do something stupid and be mean. But it's weird they managed to have Dominic, Dominic Mysterio listed as Eddie Guerrero's son. So, uh, But then I got to thinking, now that we see how tall Dominic is, are we sure that Ray is his dad? I mean, Eddie Guerrero wasn't that tall either, but <laughs> the way that he skies over Mysterio, maybe they were on or something. What are your thoughts on that, Brian? I think now we know who um, who's his poppy. <laughs> yep, and actually, I, I think I actually did tweet that out as far as I had. Oh, yeah, and by the way, I did finally Google it again, like right now. They have gotten rid of it. <laughs> so they, they did finally correct it. I don't know if me t- tweeting about that was the thing to get it corrected, but it is actually no longer listed as dominant mystery. <laughs> so congratulations to whoever, whoever fixed it as well. Anyway, moving on, we got uh, that was a little bit of a fun story. We have a rough story with the uh, bad injury. Now we got another sad story. Uh, WWE Hall of Famer Terry Funk recovering from COVID. 
Uh, this is from WrestlingInc.com. Mark Middleton, he reported back on the 23rd that uh, 70, 76-year-old Funk recently contracted coronavirus is doing fine while in quarantine, according to the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. Uh, he said he believed he picked up uh, from attending church recently. There was earlier concern about his health because he had some, a lot of pain in his hip. Uh, Funk is famously retired multiple times will be his last wrestle in 2017. I'm actually surprised. This is this is the most his retirement has ever stuck. So I kind of wonder if this is, this is if he actually has retired for good this time in 2017. Uh, I kind of he always kind of felt like a guy to me that he kept saying that he was he kept saying he's gonna retire, he's gonna retire, and then eventually get to the point where like I'm never really gonna retire. And then it seems like after he said I'm never really gonna retire, he finally did retire. But anyway, we wish him a speed recovery. We want the we want the Funker to have a long and glorious retirement if he does choose to retire. So, uh, any thoughts on Terry Funk? Um, speedy recovery, and hopefully he get um, vaccinated. Yep. Oh, that that does. I wonder. I wonder. I wonder if he was if, if he. Didn't want to get a vaccine or what? He technically would have been in one of the early ones. Probably would have been eligible for it pretty pretty early. But you know, not not to go in the long term direction. I'm just curious. I don't want to have a long discussion about that or get into the other anti-vaccine discussion. We've actually had that discussion on our on our separate show. Uh, by the way, if you want, like, uh, if you want to actually, you can plug that show off since we're talking now. Uh, well, that was that was on your YouTube channel, right? Yes, um, actually, that's um, Brian Hunter on um, YouTube, um, and you could um, find that under uh, vaccination. So, um, me and the King had a um, discussion on that, and um, I have to say, um, it was a nice, informative um, discussion, and it um, eliminated uh, a lot of the rhetoric, propaganda, and just um, misinformation, and um, we just had an open and honest um, discussion about it, which I think the fans would be very interested in um, hearing about that. Please do check it out. If you're still on the fence, check it out. Like I said, I tried to have as much information as possible, not, not conjecture, just actual information from the studies and whatnot. Anyway, now we'll get back. We'll get we'll get back to the wrestling aspect again. Uh, congratulations to Ronda Rossi, who's announced that she's four months pregnant. It was weird. It's like we were getting all these rumors that Ronda Rossi might be coming back. She might be coming back soon. And next thing you know, she's four months pregnant. I highly doubt she's gonna be coming back soon. <laughs> On the plus side, though, she might get a. Uh, she might, you know, we might be able to see Ronda Rousey's uh, kid have a match against Brent, uh, against Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins' kid. So. Uh, and you know, of course, the Bellas kids might get in there too. So there's been quite a quite a bit of the baby boom in, in wrestling over the last couple of years. And like I say, that was not something that happened a lot previously because I, I think women probably felt a lot of pressure not to get pregnant while they were wrestling. So it's good that they actually, if they if that is what they want to do while they're still in their career, that companies have been able to you know offer them the time off to go ahead and do it. Oh yeah, and don't forget uh. Hey, why am I drawing a blank on her name? Who's who's the woman that was doing an angle with Ric Flair? The sassy Southern Belle. 
Why am I drawing a blank? Uh, uh, oh my God, this Lacey, is bad. Lacey Evans? Evans, Evans, yeah. yeah, yeah that's bad. Why am I drawing a blank on Lacey Evans? Probably because we mentioned Lacey by Eric earlier in OCP. Anyway, uh, congratulations to her. She will have a wonderful, beautiful black child now. And of course, you're wondering why I said she's going to have a wonderful, beautiful black child. Uh, we, we, did, we discussed that a few weeks ago on the show. If you're listening for the first time, her, I believe her great grandfather was actually one of the first African American doctors in all of North America. He was in Canada. And we discussed that on the show. So, so now we decided to take her in a racial draft this year. So, Ronda Rousey is now black. That's how it worked out. Sorry, you know, you should have, if, if you have a problem with that, you should have made your pick earlier. Uh, team white. By the way, speaking of that, though, that's also an excuse. If the baby does come out black, she can explain it to Tavris Brown. No, that's because it's my great granddad. That's, that's nothing else. <laughs> anyway, moving on to uh, Major League Wrestling news. Uh, Major League Wrestling got a couple stories for them. Uh, they did finally announce their national TV deal. There had been rumors about different networks, but they did finally announce uh, last week. Uh, not too long after we went off the, uh, I wouldn't say, I'd say the air, after we got done recording our version of the show, but last week they announced that we should deal with Vice TV. So uh, they will be on national television with Vice. Obviously, they still have their uh, deals with being sports and in the zone as well. But uh, congratulations to them. They will actually be doing a deal with Vice TV. Uh, so what are your thoughts on that? Do you get Vice TV? Uh, actually, I do. And, um, um, well, it's start, you guys start somewhere. They start from YouTube. YouTube, they actually have a TV deal. I look at, let's look at Impact. TV deals they have. So, if Impact could still survive with all the ups and downs they had, I'm, um, I'm, I'm hoping that Major League Wrestling could do the same with a TV deal. Yeah, but at least Major League Wrestling is trending in the right direction. Like I said, they're gradually getting more exposure as opposed to uh, Impact, which sort of went the other direction, although they, they are starting to feel, hopefully, building it back up with the whole thing, you know, thing. EW and whatnot. So yes. Hopefully, hopefully they'll build it back in the other direction. But I do not get Vice TV, but I already wa- already watch it every week on YouTube anyway. So I'll probably just keep doing that. So I was hoping that they would get on a network that actually had access to, but I don't, apparently I do not get Vice TV because I looked for it and I could not find it. Anyway, moving on. That was like part one of our Major League Wrestling story for the week. Uh, Major League Wrestling. Uh, this is actually related to that. Major League Wrestling is going to do the sort of uh, a season finale before they uh, before they really get going with their with the new version of the show. May fifth Fusion will be considered the end of this season. The new season is going to kick off July tenth. They're actually going to do some TV tapings with fans in the audience starting uh, July tenth. So uh, at the twenty three hundred arena formerly known as ECW Arena. Uh, so this is, this is I think this is a good way to sort of kick off uh, the new season. They're technically, they're going to debut on uh, Vice TV on, on, on May 1st, 
with uh, some of the uh, previous shows just to get the fans caught up to date on the promotion. So I guess they're going to run, basically just going to run uh, probably r- roughly over uh, two and a half months of, I guess, recent content, just sort of getting fans caught back up. And, and then they're really going to kick things off in a truly big way starting July 10th with the uh, tapings in the 2300 arena. So, uh, on the one hand, I like them going to net, going to network faster rather than later, but I really wish they weren't going to air two and a half months of old stuff, even if it's recent old stuff. It doesn't actually feel like that's probably the best idea, just to sort of debut on a network, then run reruns for two and a half months, and then sort of read it. So what, what do you, what's your take on that? Um, I will agree with you on that. Um, if um, anything, if okay, if you want to um, air the old stuff, you air that on YouTube only. But um, okay, but once you um, get to your new TV deal, it has to it has to be new, has to be current. Well, yeah, it would make a lot more sense for me to do it that way. But I guess if the network's okay with it. I'm not. I'm not gonna right. complain about it too much, you know. Network, if the network's okay with it, I guess. Guess you can go with it, man. Anyway, last but not least, this is the story that's actually gonna be a surprise to you, and I and actually, I'm actually glad that I could sort of bring this. Uh, QPW uh, is gonna run a reunion show. That's Qatar Pro Wrestling. Uh, they bring in a lot of. You know, wrestlers from, you know, days past, big stars. They have not had a show since uh, the pandemic, however. But at the LaSalle Sports Arena in Doha, Qatar, a major group from the late 90s is going to make its first appearance since 1998, I believe. No, actually, actually, not quite that long. It'll be like first time since 2000. And guess what group this is going to be? Can you guess who this legendary group is? And we apparently have lost Brian. So he's not going to be able to guess. So since Brian can't actually guess, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you guys who are listeners. It's going to be the Nation of Domination. That's right. Ron Simmons, Mark Henry, D'Lo Brown, and the Godfather will be reuniting in Qatar. Uh, the date is set for February 26, 2022 for that show at the Sports Arena in Doha, Qatar. And by the way, I just noticed, by the way, this is February 26, so it will be occurring in Black History Month, so that's actually kind of perfect. And there's also word that in addition to the nation domination going to be at the show, Bret Hart, Sting, Eric Bischoff, and Booker T will also be at the show. So, Big exciting news. That's going to be a very, very big show because I assume Qatar is probably using oil money for that. But, uh, did you hear the announcement, Brian? Um, I did not. Oh, okay. Well, I get to announce it twice then. It's going to be the Nation of Domination. The Nation of Domination is making a reunion for the first time in 22 years. Uh-huh. As well as, in addition to the Nation of Domination, you're also going to have Bret Hart, Sting, Eric Bischoff, and Booker T. So, that's a lineup of talent and that definitely has to be oil money <laughs> to be bringing in all that talent for one show 
So will you be trying to find some version of bootleg of this show? Because I assume it's not going to be on regular television. Will you be trying to find some sort of bootleg of the show to see the reunion, or, or are you just going to read about it? Uh, I, um, actually, actually, if if I could find it, I I would try. Of course, uh, here at BLC Reservation, we would never bootleg anything. I was just kidding. That would be wrong. If you want wrestling content, you should pay for your wrestling content. I look at it on YouTube. Assuming that it is there. Well, I think that about covers it for this week. You got anything uh, you want to discuss before we get out here, Brian? Uh, sure. Oh, okay. Uh, actually, this may go more into uh, next week's show, uh, possibly. Okay. Since you brought up the nation uh, domination, um, okay. Who was the one member that ruined a faction? To me, I say, uh, okay, I say who ruined the nation domination for me uh, well, um, okay, was probably Ahmed Johnson. I wouldn't go to far to say that he ruined it for me, but he definitely didn't fit in. There's actually a couple guys that didn't fit in. He didn't fit in because he had been fighting for them, fighting them so long. It just didn't make sense. The justification exactly. putting him in because literally he was like one of the main guys they were against. Next thing you know, he's in. It's just because that's the kind of way that it kind of always worked with black wrestlers, like we mentioned in the past. They will always be, right. they will always be friends and then enemies, or enemies and then friends. <laughs> That's just how it sort of works. Black the, the black wrestlers in your companies in the past, they couldn't just you know independently exist for each other. They had to be friends, enemies, or both usually. So, uh, and let's be honest, Owen Hart really didn't make sense in the group. <laughs> I know we all Owen love Hart. Owen Hart, but it was stupid to put him in the <laughs> <laughs> Even though they did a sort of black heart gimmick with him, that still made no sense. That um oh um okay. Do you know the only reason um that that didn't ruin the nation for a lot of people? Because most people would say um would say although he. Um, in the ring, a bona fide good wrestler versus Ahmed Johnson, who, who was um still who had very little mic skills. Okay, sorry, Brian, you just broke up there. Um, we were close to the show anyway, so we're gonna go ahead and close it out. But yeah, we were get we sort of got what you were trying to say. You're saying it. It did. It did help to have a good wrestler in the group. It did help to have you know somebody with, with some charisma, some personality. Because I'm, I'm in Johnson. While he he had a little bit of charisma, he was not. A, he he wasn't quote a good promo. He had some charisma to him, but it's sort of like like I said, there's due between being charismatic and being a good promo. Being a pro, good promo means you have to talk. There's due between just having a good character that presents itself well, like him and his muscles. And, uh, facial expressions that all worked, but you really didn't want to have to listen to him talk for five minutes. <laughs> so, yeah, no. So, especially, if you especially, 
it, as I say, especially in that era of that era of, of Raw, you didn't want somebody who could talk trying to talk for fun. That was just right. sort of when we were doing the, the crash TV thing when it just just had been popping at that time. And when you had guys like The Rock, you had guys like Stone Cold, you couldn't be Ahmed Johnson and not not able to talk. Absolutely. Anyway, I, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I think that covers it for this week. You've been listening to Wrestling With Problems. We're part of the VOC Nation. Uh, please like and subscribe on various platforms. You know, send us reviews. Get, hit that like button. Hit that thumbs up, whatever it is on your platform. We really, really appreciate it. And please also like, write reviews as well. So anyway, you've been listening to Wrestling With Problems. We'll be back next week. Phil Apter has been in the pro wrestling business for over 50 years. Hey, talking here with uh, Arn Anderson. Arn, first of all, your height and weight. 6'1", 255. And now subscribers to VOC Nation Premium get exclusive access to Bill Apter's archived audio footage. And uh, where's your hometown? Minneapolis, Minnesota. Okay, and uh, give us something about your back. First of all, your relationship to Ole Anderson. Ole is my... Subscription to VOC Nation Premium starts at just $3 a month and includes commercial-free audio and video versions of our top podcasts. Okay, we're speaking here with uh, the manager of the World Heavyweight Tag Team Champions, Tarzan Tyler and Luke Graham, and he's, uh, he's sort of glowing tonight about a new prospect we haven't heard of yet. And for just $9 a month, Aptor's archives are all yours. Uh, would you tell us who this new prospect is? Well, I'll is? tell you, Bill, I've searched the world, and I finally <laughs> found the true world champion. I finally found... What's your opinion of uh, Ivan Koloff winning the title from Bruno San Martino? Well, I think... Uh, I don't know what to say, but I, I want to say one thing. Uh, Bruno was an LA champion. You know? Hear exclusive interviews with the greatest performers of all time. This is Bill Apter, and once again, we're speaking here with... Bruno San Martino. Bruno, first of all, how did you and Bruiser lose that title to the Valiants? Well, actually, it was a, a, a very unusual loss, if you want to call it a did loss. Did didn't have anything to do with this? Well, yes, but the whole thing is this, that the rules, as I always understood them, was that you, the title could only be lost by pin or, or submission, which is the same rules as uh, my title, the World War Wrestling Federation. That night, uh, it was... To sign up, it's very simple. Head to premium.vocnation.com or go to patreon.com slash vocnation. VOC Nation takes you behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history.